Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody into the ESPN FC studios for today's edition of the show. Alongside Steve Nichol, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us. We do have a lot to get to as we get set for a huge weekend across the world of football. But let's start with a look at Friday's action in the Premier League. Spurs going away to Nottingham Force and picking up a 2-0 victory. Goals from Richarlison just before the half and then the second half from Bayon Kulisewski. Uh, Spurs finishing the match with 10 men after Basuma was sent off in the 70th minute. Second straight win for Spurs and those six points have Tottenham knocking on the edge of the top four in the Premier League. 33 points to their first 17 games of the season. I mentioned Kulisewski. Got the uh, goal and the assist in this one. Here's what he had to say about playing under Ange Postacoglu. Quote, it's amazing. Training is so fun and I really like Ange Postacoglu as a guy. If I would choose my football, this is the football. Attack, combine a lot, very fun training sessions. We don't play to lose, but we play to win. We're very positive, and we want to get better every day. We still lack something mentally, but I think football-wise, we're there at the top. Time for more on this. Let's welcome into the show Julian Laurent and Frank LaBeouf. Uh, what do you make of the comments there, Stevie, from Kulisevsky, talking about the joy he gets playing for Spurs and Ange Postacoglu? Uh, well, I think it's great. Uh, I think somebody who's getting paid a lot of money to do something that they enjoy doing is fantastic. And obviously that's not what's been happening at Spurs before Ange got there. Um, I would think it's the job of every coach, not, not just to sort out the tactics and, and do the patterns of play and all, all the things about the game that, that are professional that need to be done. Mm -hmm. But it's also your job to make people want to come in in the morning and train hard. And that means that it has to be enjoyable. We all understand as players that there are certain things we have to do. You know, all the, all the video sessions, nobody likes that. Mm -hmm. But it has to be done. But we all like playing football. And when the coach sets it up, that it's competitive, it's enjoyable, and you're learning and you're having fun, then it's an environment where everybody wants to be and everybody actually ends up learning. Yeah. Followed up a big 4-1 uh, victory over Newcastle on the weekend with these three points. Frank, what did you make of the Spurs' performance? I would say that um, they did what they had to do and they did what, what they normally do. They tried to attack, they tried to, to get some risks and, uh, and they did. And um, they, could have, uh, they could have been 2-0 uh, for them, you know, if Emunson uh, would have scored the goal. But uh, they suffered like for 15 minutes in the beginning of the second half. And, uh, but overall, I would say, I wouldn't say it's deserved because, because Nottingham had some chances. But you can feel that, of course, Tottenham is, is above Nottingham Forest and, and proved it in a in a score sheet, but uh, but I I'm, I'm enthusiastic about what I see because I see a team who tries to go forward and I was surprised by Kulusevski uh, comment when you you come from from hell to heaven comparing with uh, previous years you know when you you now are proactive when uh, when you were absolutely on only on reaction before so it's what we see on the field. 
that we see uh, what we can imagine it's happening uh, in uh, <coughs> during the, the, the training sessions. They enjoy every second of what they do uh, during the week and uh, during the weekend. Mm. Jules, what about Richarlison in all this? It's a guy who struggled, obviously, for most of the season. Had a couple goals against Newcastle. Goal uh, here against Nottingham Forest. There's some talk that Spurs might need to upgrade that position in the winter transfer window. Did we see something different uh, in this game that says Richarlison might be enough? I mean, the goal is great, of course. And to go back-to-back -back games now with scoring, considering he'd been for so long without scoring suddenly in the league on open play, I think this is great for him. Does that move the needle a lot in terms of his future at the club. I think they're certainly looking for another striker, especially if offers come for Richarlison in January, maybe from Saudi, maybe from somewhere else in, in Europe. Let's not forget, it cost them a lot of money. And for a long time, it was very inefficient for them. The thing as well, if you play Richarlison, that means Hung Min Son has to play on the left-hand side, which he's done many, for many, many years, especially at Spurs when Kane was there. But he was also very successful in the centre for most of the season, really, until he, he went back onto the left-hand side when Richarlison came back into the team after his injury, really. So, I guess it's, it's what you can find on the market, how much money you have to spend. But if you don't find a good replacement or an upgrade on Richarlison, then why would you let him go? Because if he keeps scoring like this, if he keeps being... Uh, we know what he does outside of the goals. He's that presence, he's physical, he chases every ball. I think for the, the way Postecoglou wants this team to play out of possession, he's very important because he would run and run and run and press and hustle and, and do all of that job. So I think they also will have to be careful and I think they will be careful. If he picks up form and he keeps working really hard out of possession, I think Ange might, might be well willing to keep him instead of, of selling him and buying another striker who will have to learn again everything that Postecoglou wants for his philosophy. Stevie, we mentioned it in the highlight, the fourth red card this year for Spurs, mm. uh, even with Liverpool for most in the Premier League, second for Basuma. I guess there's, there's a conversation here that some of the trade-off for playing that way you play under Ange Postacoglu. Do they have a discipline problem, you think, Spurs? I don't think so. No? No. Listen, when you're playing in a position Basuma's playing in and doing the job that he's asked to do, he has to be aggressive. And you're not always going to get things right all the time. Uh, and on this occasion, he certainly gets it wrong, but he's a fraction late. And the mistake he makes is his, his foot's too high. So I don't think they have a discipline problem. You know, the, there's a fine line between somebody being ill-disciplined and just being aggressive. And right now, I think Basuma's been aggressive, as are a lot of the other Spurs players. So no, I don't think right now there's a discipline problem. Frank, no discipline problem at Spurs, says Stevie. You agree? I, I totally agree. I think there is uh, being dirty and being aggressive. They are aggressive, and uh, it, it can seem, it can be or, or see being dirty uh, when you see the the, uh, uh, the tackle. But I can, I can, I'm sure that uh, Bisuma is only trying to get the ball, but he forgets that there is a player behind. So the players get the ball before him, so he touches his knee. It's a deserved red card, but <coughs> behind that there is nothing dirty. Uh, or mean, and uh, and uh, that's just the it's not a bad discipline. It's just that you go sometimes over uh, over the what you should go, and it's a uh, it's it's a mistake. Let's say, uh, of course, you have to be careful, but it's always when you you go for it, when you play, where you are hundred percent that you make mistakes, and it's what happens sometimes.
Spurs then now fifth in the Premier League after their 2-0 win away against Nottingham Forest on Friday. Big game on Saturday, of course, uh, Manchester United and their visit to Anfield and Liverpool. We're going to get everybody's I hope, predictions. I hope it's Sunday. It's Sunday. It I is hope Sunday. so. Yeah, why? <laughs> because I'm, I'm not going to be able to see it Saturday. Okay. <laughs> um, we will we'll get everybody's predictions in just a sec, but first let's hear from the managers. Uh, first Jurgen Klopp and next Eric Ten Hag. What can we expect at Anfield this time around? Obviously, 7-0 against Manchester United last season. It's unlikely it's going to be the same. <laughs> Particularly when you take into consideration the rivalry that there is. And United coming into the game is a bit of a wounded animal because yeah. of what happened against Bournemouth. Yeah, it's, it's always like that. that I, I never like when, um, when the, 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 the headlines about United are not great before we play because it's always like, OK. So then it is the game where you can put everything right. So I don't follow United in, uh, closely enough to know exactly what's the problem there. But I saw that Eric Ten Hag became manager of the month last month. I, I saw that they were the, for, the team in form result-wise in the last month. So how uh, can okay, be uh, all wrong? I just don't understand it. Um, and uh, and yes, the 7-0, we, we knew that the day. It was a freak result that, uh, that happens once in a life. Pretty much, and then yeah, you have to in the next. And if it helps anybody, it's for the next game. It's a team who lost seven, and not a team who won seven. And so that's another thing. But but it's so like if you take it out, all out of consideration, and we just play a football game against the, the rival, um, the historical rival of, of Liverpool FC, and that at home at Anfield, and that itself must make it a special game. And that's what I want to see from us: a special game. Really understand. The, the, the situation and give you all. That's all I need. You can't get distracted by concern about your job or whatever, or whether you know you might lose your job. No, but that uh, that is there's no concern. <laughs> I'm not concerned about that, and uh, I want to win, and uh, I want to win with my team. I want to uh, progress the team uh, in the right direction, and yeah, so we are are here in a project and. Uh, last season, uh, we were absolutely in the right direction. Uh, in the project, now we haven't uh, met the standards we expect uh, to have. That's the truth. But uh, still, we are in the project, and so we have we have a setback. But we still can everything everything winning in this season, and on the longer term, definitely because uh, the future for Man United, I think, is very good. And as mentioned there, the last meeting between these two, the 7-0 at Anfield uh, back in March. No Bruno Fernandes, by the way, in this one. Here's a look at our picks. Everybody going Liverpool except for Frank. Uh, Frank, what do you know that we don't? Why are you picking United to get a point here at Anfield? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know football so much that, uh, that I think that you cannot um, look back to last season to believe even looked back last week to believe that it's going to be easy for Liverpool. And uh, Klopp explained that very well, where he doesn't like when, uh, when the, the, the beast is just wounded, but not dead. And uh, the reaction can be terrible. Everybody sees that it's normal. Everybody sees Liverpool winning, which is only fair. But it's a derby. They hate each other so much. They've been slapping the face uh, big time last year. They want, they, they want to react, and we expect a reaction. And again, I'm pretty sure that they're going to react at some point. I might be wrong, but I have that feeling when, when you ask for the prediction that mm -hmm. it could be something special uh, uh, in that game and uh, the something special would be maybe a draw 
uh, for Manchester United and Liverpool. You know, Stevie, it's interesting. You're usually kind of pessimistic here, almost like you're taking out the umbrella with mm. your picks. You've got them winning, so am I to take that as just a sign of overwhelming confidence that Liverpool are going to get it done Sunday? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what Frank's on about. You know, football's a, a strange animal, and teams, particularly big teams like Manchester United, going into a game can, can all of a sudden change their attitude, which is the biggest thing for Man United. If they change their attitude then not only against Liverpool at Anfield, but other games will turn out different than what seems to be happening for Manchester United. But after that, that's it. Mm. You, can't, you can't look at these two teams, the way they play, the way they're set up, the names on the back of the jerseys. I mean, you just you can't in all honesty sit and come up with a particular reason other than blind faith why Manchester United are going to win this game. Mm. I, I, I think... What Frank's talking about with a draw is the best they can get because they're going to be under pressure. Liverpool against everybody and anybody at Anfield this year are averaging three goals a game. Is this all of a sudden going to dry up against a team that are struggling defensively? Or does Anana stand on his head? I mean, these are the reasons why United can get something. The goalie stands on his head. I mean, it's hardly analytics at its best, is it? <laughs> no. but the truth is that's what's going to have to happen. Uh, Jules, you heard from Eric Ten Hag there. He says he's not worried about his job. Um, let's say things go south and, and very far south on Sunday for Manchester United. Could he be worried about his job maybe this time next week? I, I think he should be worried about his job now, Sebian. I think he is worried. He can't really say it like that in his press conference publicly, but I think he's worried. They've lost 12 games out of 24 this season in all competitions. That's a 50% win ratio. The, the worst ever win ratio for a season for United was back in the 30s, and that was 61. They're way behind that already. And I, I hope for them that it gets better through the season. But I think he should be worried, especially when he knows that sooner rather than later, Sir Jim Radcliffe is going to arrive at the club with a new sporting director, with, a, with, with him being the new boss in this football club, certainly for the football side of things. And if I was Eric Ten Hag, I'd be very worried. He also said today in his press conference that he, he has the backing of the club. That's what the club is telling him. I don't know who at the club is telling him because right yeah. now there's not really anybody in charge. The Glazers don't talk to Ten Hag. Richard Arnold is gone, pretty much on his way out. Myrtle Fletcher are waiting to get the chop as well as soon as Radcliffe would come in. And it's not Sergeant Radcliffe who's talking to Ten Hag either. So maybe <laughs> someone is telling him that he's okay, that he's safe for now. But if I was him, I would be really worried. And I think he knows that he's already. Because they lose again this weekend. It's already on the back of what we saw. And club said, oh, you won manager of the month last, last month. OK, yeah. Uh, but in football, things go so quickly, especially after what is already a very difficult season for him. Liverpool, Manchester United on Sunday. Also on Sunday, Arsenal at home against Brighton. Now, a lot of the talk around Arsenal and the Gunners has to do with their Brazilian striker Gabriel Jesus, who of course had some interesting comments after his failure to score against Argentina during the last international break. Comments that frankly grabbed headlines all over the globe. Quote, I believe that goals are not my strong point, but I score goals. I'm there to score goals. Those comments have uh, haunted him, let's just say, uh, in the weeks since. And he actually hoped to clear them up this week in an interview with ESPN Brazil. Let's listen in. 
Então, repetindo novamente, porém agora. I've said this before, but now I'll say it clear. I don't think scoring goals or fighting for top score is my strong point. But I can improve on it. I want to improve. I will improve. At the same time, scoring goals isn't my only skill. I have other qualities as well, but I also score goals. Many times people only look at the result after the game. They say, Gabriel didn't score, didn't have an assist. But they didn't watch the game and didn't see what happened. But I also understand my other strengths, which I won't give up in order to be a goal scorer. If you say to me, ah, but would you rather just score there and lose those other qualities, I'd say no. Did, did you just say he cleared it up? I was going to ask you, he was hoping to clarify. Did he clarify it all to you? <laughs> to be honest, I thought he was just doing that. Yeah. He was just making it deeper. Do, do you have any sympathy for him? Is there anything to what he's saying? I mean, I, I know obviously forwards yeah, are supposed got, to score yeah. goals. I mean, is there some nuance Listen, the point some, he's trying to make? Sometimes you just keep your mouth closed. Right, And he's, right. Got, he's opened his mouth and it's just, it's following him around. I mean, it was the same thing at City. Mm -hmm. So, yeah... I mean, listen, Bobby Firmino was pretty much similar for Liverpool. He wasn't the out-and-out -out goal scorer, but he was involved all the time. But it was plain sailing, wasn't it? Bobby never came out and said, well, I'm not, I'm not here to score goals. He's unfortunately opened his mouth and he can't get himself out of the spider's web. <laughs> I mean, basically, he's stuck in it and it's going to stick with him and it's going to be with him. Whenever he's not scoring, it's going to be brought up. It's just... The way it goes when you open your mouth at the wrong time and say the wrong thing. Uh, Frank, what do you make of Gabriel Jesus' comments, both the first time around and then his, uh, his second shot? Well, you know, the second one, I understand what he meant, and he doesn't need to explain. You know, we, we, we see it, and we've been seeing it for, for, for years, uh, that he's a great player, but sometimes clumsy when he has to score, that we can feel that he's not the type of scorer that I've seen, like, the, for example, David Trezeguet, the guy he was he was born to score goals. Like you, have, you feel that some players that if they have a chance, they're going to score the goals. It's not like that. He likes to participate with the teams to elaborate the game, but he's not a top scorer. Then the second comment is when you start justifying what you explained in the first place, it's because you think you're wrong, and that's that's wrong. So so don't do it. Let's go. You know, we live in a world where it goes so fast from the news to another news. So just just leave it and, and people are going to forget it. Don't worry. <laughs> Jules, uh, who do you think's got a more desperate situation when it comes to their nine? Arsenal or Spurs that we were talking about before? So, sorry, what do you mean in terms of who needs an upgrade more? Arsenal at the number nine or Spurs? Oh, I see. Oh, um... You know what, I think it depends what the manager wants, really. And yeah, I think if you ask Ange Postecoglou, would you like Victor Ozyman as your nine? He would say yes, probably. Uh, do they have 150, 130 million would be the release clause on his new contract? I'm not so sure right now. Do you ask, if you ask Arteta, do you want a proper finisher or would you want someone like Gabriel Jesus, who his all-around game is what Arteta wants, really, especially in terms of pressing, counter-pressing, what he does with the ball, and we can, we can agree or not. I think, I think right now Arteta is happy with Gabriel Jesus. Otherwise, Arsenal would have spent more money on the number nine in the summer, for example, than they did on Kai Havertz to replace Granit Xhaka. So 
I, I think it's the same. It depends a lot on who the manager is and what he wants his number nine to do. Some wants the Trezeguet type of, of number nine, like Frank just said. Others, like Stevie was saying, prefer a Firmino type, especially when you've got Mane and Salah on each side of him. Maybe Arteta is happy with Jesus because he's got Martinelli and Saka on each side of him. And yes, they're not yet Salah and Mane, but they might become that kind of front three to get all together a bit like the Firmino, Mane and Salah as well. So it, it depends if you, you know, we would all have a different number nine that we would want in our club if we were the manager. So it's a bit difficult. Upgrade is a bit, I think he's a bit harsh as well on someone like Gabriel Jesus. Richarlison... It's probably harsh on him as well. I think, <laughs> I think Gabriel Jesus has done a lot of good things for Arsenal. And yet, at times, he lacks a bit of efficiency, for sure. And maybe the, 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 the team uh, is penalised by that, maybe. But I think Arteta is, is, seems pretty happy with him right now. Gabriel Jesus and Arsenal taking on Brighton on Sunday, chasing the top spots in the Premier League. What about the bottom half of the Premier League table, which, of course, is where we find... Chelsea going to be playing Sheffield United on Saturday. Chelsea currently 12th uh, on 19 points. Got some good reporting from our friend and colleague James Ollie over on the website uh, ESPN.com saying that Chelsea are willing to part ways with everybody you see here uh, on this full screen graphic all in the hope of landing their own striker. Uh, and they've been linked to some of the, the biggest names with the biggest sticker prices you can think. Uh, Ivan Tony and Victor Osimhen amongst them. Jules, let's start with you. Just do some economics for us. If they sold all those guys at a great rate, would it, would it be enough to bring in the type of nine Chelsea's looking for? That's a very good question. That's the thing. I'm all for everybody <laughs> here is for sale. Let's see how much money we can get. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can only, the value will not be set by you, Chelsea Football Club. It'll be set by the offers that are going to come if some, if some offers come on the table. And yeah, in the summer, they did really well to sell the likes of Kai Havertz, for example. They also paid some players very, very, very much money, more probably than what they were worth it, the likes of Caicedo, for example. So it's always that, that kind of balance. Uh, and, and I think we can all say that they're not going to sell everybody, that's for sure, especially considering the form of some of those players and the season that they've had so far. And then again, we go back to who is the number nine they want. And by the way, I think a few months ago, uh, when they were already in crisis, we, uh, we were talking about you know, what can they do, and we said about how badly this squad has been built, and especially the lack of a struggle. And we said, we all know exactly what they're going to do in January, they're going to sign a top striker, which they should have done not just last summer, not just the January before, but probably the summer even before. So here they are now. They need the money for it. Um, I'm just not sure if, if that would be enough money for, for who, by the way? For an Aussie man? Would Napoli let an Aussie man go now? I don't think so. You try Vlaovic again, like you did in the summer. I'm not sure Juventus right now would be happy to sell him. So where do you go, by the way, to find that number nine? You go for... Ivan Tony, who hasn't played football since, what, last May? So, again, you know, it's all good to want a number nine, but good luck as well to maybe find it. Frank, who would you have Chelsea bring in? Uh, yeah, Ozzy Men would be a very good, uh, very good target. But I'm with Jules, you know, before trying to sell players to, in order to buy a striker, well, you have to make a list of uh, uh, available players, available strikers, and players and strikers who will will to come. And, uh, and I'm not sure they're going to find anybody. Uh, Chelsea is not playing in the Champions League. Chelsea is 12 in the league. Who top strikers would like to come 
to play for Chelsea right now. None. None. Mm. I would be one of those. I would say no. I would laugh at it. And I say, are you kidding me? Are you, do you respect me? Do you really think that Ozyman or uh, anybody else, I don't have any, any, any names on top of it, who can be able to help Chelsea sorting all the problems uh, out and, uh, and with the team that they have? So, yeah, you can sell, you know, players, and I have doubt that uh, they're going to get the, the money that they're expecting. Because if we take an example for Cucurella, example, you sold, you bought him like for 60 million. How much do you think player, uh, teams are ready to put, uh, to put out for a player like that? No, they're all going to go on loan because nobody wants to put a price or the price would be ridiculous for those players. So they're not going to get the money for the striker, but the, 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 the worst is they're not going to get a striker. Nobody wants to come. Not to all bad news for Chelsea, Christopher Nkunku back in the squad uh, apparently this weekend after the long-term injury layoff. We won't find Chelsea listed among the favorites to win the Premier League title. Uh, as we take a look at what the odds makers are saying, Liverpool, Arsenal, Aston Villa, and City right there. Okay, City are still your favorites. Yeah, my math, my quick math is good there despite the fact that they're uh, in fourth. I know somebody that's not buying into that, and that's their manager, uh, Pep Guardiola. Quote, the people say it's over for Man City, but we want to make them wrong and believe that still it's not over. We still want to be there challenging. Will we be able to? It depends on us, how we perform. The people, the people, Frank. Are you one of the people that is that is counted out uh, Manchester City? I'm not one of the people, for sure. I, I, I mean, people have to learn the lesson. Uh, last year, uh, everybody thought that Arsenal will, uh, will win the league. Uh, but we saw Manchester City coming back. So if you say now uh, that it's already over for Manchester City, you know nothing about football and you know nothing about history of the Premier League. So I would never say that. I think people are wrong. It's too early to say that. And uh, we know so much Manchester City and Pep Guardiola's team that we cannot say it's over for Manchester City. It's for sure not over. They're going to fight and they're still the favourites and rightly so for me. Jules, you're a journo. You've covered Pep Guardiola. What, what's he doing here? What's he trying to do? <laughs> He's good, isn't he? There's no, nobody is saying that in England. I don't think anybody is saying <laughs> that in the world. I mean, he made that up completely. <laughs> this come out of nowhere. This yeah. is a big lie, big fat mm. lie. But, you know, this is a narrative. Hey, <clears throat> it's another press conference. He gave another one two days ago, another one four days ago. And, this, and today was like, yeah, you don't believe in us anymore. Nobody has ever said that. Nobody, because like Frank says, they always come back at some point. The other day, he had to go at Gary Neville by saying, hey, we, we, you know, if you ask me now, I tell you, we're going to win the title. And we're going to do what Gary Neville and anybody has never done before in the Premier League era, certainly. Not Stevie's era, but the Premier League era. Nobody has ever won four in a row. We're going to do that. And Gary Neville especially has never won four in a row. Calling him out like that when nobody asked, you know, what Gary Neville had to do in it. So, you know, it's Pep doing Pep things, really, and picking up his narrative. But the, those people are in his head. Nobody else. Nobody is telling that <laughs> City are too far away now for the title. Petty Pep Guardiola. What do you know? The people, Stevie, the people say it's over for Manchester City. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Also some interesting comments this week from Jose Mourinho, who, Stevie, you'll be surprised, is talking about Pep Guardiola. So here's the connection from the uh, now Roma manager. Quote, not that I'm jealous, but Man City paid 80 million euros for Calvin Phillips, and now Pep has said it would be better for him to leave. So he'll leave and they'll get someone else. Our reality is very different. It's not easy for us to sign one player. Stevie, Jose Mourinho is definitely oh, not on. jealous of Pep Guardiola. He's not jealous. So what? what Why is would he it? say that then? <laughs> no. I mean, it's just, it's just Mourinho all over, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, when he's at the top clubs, he's, he wants more. Mm -hmm. And when he's not at the top clubs, he's not getting enough. I mean, we've heard, how many times have we heard this from, from, from Mourinho? Isn't it interesting that mm -hmm. not that many people are interested in what he's got to say anymore? Mm. Let's be honest. Fair enough. Jules, you agree? People aren't interested in what Mourinho has to say? No, I mean, it's been the Mourinho show pretty much all season in, in Italy, in Serie A anyway. So when he doesn't talk, he speaks in Portuguese. You know, he has a go at everybody, the whole world. And today, clearly, again, his own narrative, he thought, hey, it's a good idea. Let's not forget Roma have spent a lot of money for him. They signed some big players. OK, maybe not a... A player yeah. that ends up on the bench for 80 million. And by the way, Calvin Phillips was not 80 million. But, you know, Dybala and Lukaku, I think they went, they went really far for him uh, to the point that he has to deliver Champions League football next season. Otherwise, they've been in trouble financially. And I think his contract comes to an end this summer. And maybe, in a way, him saying that, saying, hey, look, you know, I'm in line with my with my owners, with my sporting director, Thiago Pinto. That's, this is not what we do here. Instead of asking for more money, more players, maybe he's thinking, hey, if I, if I look like I'm on their side, maybe they're going to give me a new contract. You know what, Jose? I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> well, you'd think with all this crying poor, they would be, you know, middle of the table or worse. It, it actually turns out things are not so bad for Roma as we take a look at the Serie A table right now. Sitting in fourth place, 25 points to their first uh, 15 matches. A pretty good start to the campaign there. Uh, Juventus had a chance to go top of the table, at least momentarily, in a Friday match against Genoa. Got out to a, an early lead, scoring just before the half-hour mark, but uh, couldn't hold the lead, giving up a goal in the opening minutes of the second half. So the game ends in a 1-1 draw. Missed opportunity here for Juventus, Jules. 
Yeah, bad result. I mean, this is, again, this template, we've seen it before. They take the lead and then all they want to do is control and protect that lead. And they've won five times one nil this season. They've kept nine clean sheets already, I think. And they try to do that again today. The problem, I think, for me, in this kind of minimalist way of playing, is that you just, you just never know. And I think what I like about Genoa is that Gilardino at halftime changed his formation completely, took, uh, took one of his wing back off, brought Ebrukan, the, uh, the striker, and then suddenly it was a different dynamic to what Allegri himself didn't really respond to. Then Juve considered that goal, really good goal, by the way, by Goodmundson, who's been one of the revelations in Serie A this season. And then the game, the, the, game, the dynamic has, has shifted, and then Juve have to attack again to come back in the game again. And this time they could not do it. And actually, after it went to 1-1, they didn't even create that many real chances, big chances. They had, they had a few shots and they could have maybe scored a second, but it was not like that clear chance after chance after chance. So I, don't, I just don't understand why you take the lead and then after that, instead of trying to go and, and, and attack again for the second to, to do that break, no, you just think, hey, we're very happy with the 1-0 win. Let's just control the game and see this game out when you still have another hour to go. And I don't know, and I think what, just to finish what, what shows that well, you play with wingbacks for a reason, right? I mean, Stevie, as a former coach, you play with wingbacks for a reason. Kostic on the left, Combiasso on the right. Combiasso had two touches in the Genoa box. Kostic, none at all. They both had, Kostic had seven crosses, zero successful. Combiasso, three crosses. Zero successful. So their crosses never hit anybody in the box and themselves were hardly ever in the box. What's the point then? What is the point of your wing back? I'll tell you the point is one, you take the lead, those wing backs play really, really deep and then you have a back five again. And when it's Juventus and the players that you have, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. But Jules, after the match, Allegri said he was happy with how they played. What do you make of that? Of course, of course, he's always happy. Max Allegri is the happiest when he wins 1-0. And today, he tried again for his team to win 1-0. They could not do it. But the only thing he could say after is, like, oh, yeah, I'm happy, because he knows that the criticism is there. Already tonight in Italy, they're talking about why again did you try to play this very minimalist style of football where you just take the 1-0 and that's it. You want to see the game out. This is not how Juve should be playing. And I think Allegri knows it. He just had to defend himself again tonight. I'm sure we'll be hearing more on Juve and Allegri especially from one part of the Gavin Jewel show on the next edition of the program. Uh, Gab always <laughs> sounding off uh, on Juve. Make sure to catch that. The next edition drops on Monday. Catch the clips on the YouTube channel and ESPN.com to download the podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Boys cover La Liga as well as we take a look at the uh, top half of the Spanish top flight. Girona, again, the uh, surprise leader through 16 matches, sitting on uh, 41 points. But uh, Barcelona, the story we're focused on here, tied for third on points, but coming off back-to-back losses against Girona on the weekend and then against uh, Antwerp in Champions League play midweek. How has that gone over with the Spanish press? Well, not very well at all, you'd be surprised. Our friends over at Mundo. Final and Mestalla, a final at Mestalla, which is coincidentally where Barcelona are headed next to take on uh, Valencia in league play. And uh, as you can see, it's kind of been a before and after around El Clasico for Barcelona. Great start before the game against Real Madrid and perhaps still struggling Barcelona to recover from that brace from Jude Bellingham. Frank and Jules uh, still with us. Jules, Xavi has pushed back a little bit on the narrative that Barcelona are in crisis. Is he correct to do so? Are we getting uh, ahead of ourselves? No, I think he's under pressure. He's under pressure. He's safe for now. You know, let's not kid ourselves. They're not going to sack him. He's a club legend, of course. He won the league last season, so it's not. We're not there yet. However. The style of football this season hasn't been good enough. Mostly, they've had a good hour, as you mentioned, in the Clásico, and maybe deserve to win that game. They obviously played well against Atletico Madrid, for example. But there's also those defeats. I mean, the recent ones, especially the two that we've just seen, away at Antwerp, even with a B team. I mean, come on, this is Antwerp away. And then Girona, they were just maybe a little bit unlucky in the second half not to have scored earlier their second goal. But overall, Girona played really well and you could say deserved their win too. So it's time for him to really step up in what we see, what collectively they produce, but also in terms of results. How can you be such a strong defence last season and so leaky this season? Loads of question marks, basically. And I think the, the criticism of Xavi right now is all those question marks. Why is the style of football not improving? Why is the defence so bad now when it was your main strength last season and, and the, the main reason why you won the title? And... and Again, lows on players individually, collectively, the, the environment around the club. So there's a lot of questions. And the sooner they go back to winning way, play better, the better because those question marks are going you know, to answer themselves. Yeah, with a loss on Saturday, Barcelona could, could be uh, 10 points back of the league leaders come the end of the weekend. Now, on Sunday, Real Madrid will be hosting Villarreal. And of all the issues that Real Madrid have had this year, and there's been injury issues, there's been other issues as well, penalties are somehow 
uh, an issue. Luka Modric has tried from the spot, failed. Jose Luis tried from the spot, failed. Rodrigo's tried from the spot, failed. There's a guy named Jude Bellingham, Steve, who's having a pretty good season. Should he be taking Real Madrid's penalties from here on out? Well, it depends on him, if he's comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I always find this strange that people think taking a penalty is just easy and every single football, professional footballer should be able to take a penalty. That's not the case. It's, it's a unique skill. And if you don't have one in your team, mm -hmm. it's a problem. And it doesn't seem as though they do. So, it's, it's one of those... It's one of those questions where the manager has to go around and ask and, and see who's, who, who wants to, number one, be in line to take it mm -hmm. and then figure out who is going to take it. And that's not straightforward because if you don't have one, it's a problem. Mm. Uh, to that point, Carlo Ancelotti has kind of downplayed this. Frank, you were the penalty taker. Is it an issue for Real Madrid? Well, it is because when you have a penalty, you know, it's something you expect to, uh, to score and you, uh, you want your players to be able to do that. Uh, you, you have everything to lose when you're a penalty taker and uh, the goalkeeper has nothing to, to lose in, on, the, on this side. But you, you have to take that opportunity to, to make sure they're going to make the difference. And, uh, and when you fail three times, yeah, it's a concern. It's a concern because on the player that uh, you just named, uh, it, they are top players. Modric is a, is a cool and cold guy, as Ancelotti uh, named him. Uh, and, uh, and it's possible, it should be possible to score and easily score. Uh, yes, I was a penalty taker. Maybe because my ego was so strong that I would never thought that I, was, uh, I could be in doubt and I would mi ever miss a penalty. I did um, many times, well, th three, four times, but out of 50. I've always thought that I had to score and I always thought that everybody was backing me up and the coach was very confident that I would score every time that I had to take a, a penalty. That's how it works. You have no doubts. Uh, you're sure about yourself and you go for it. And I don't see Ronaldo hesitating. I don't see Messi hesitating. And uh, it should be like that for the old penalty takers. Real Madrid then hosting uh, Villarreal on Sunday and, of course, uh, advancing in the Champions League during the midweek. Here's a look at uh, Group F, which was, of course, the group of death. Dortmund finishing first. PSG finishing second after a 1-1 draw against Dortmund in the group phase finale. Luis Enrique was explaining his approach towards the final moments uh, of that game. Here's what he had to say. Quote, in the 85th minute, with Milan's win securing our qualification, I told my players to take fewer risks. Our objective was to finish first, but finishing second in this difficult group is a success. Jules, we saw in the aftermath of this, Kylian Mbappe very frustrated, seemingly with the approach. How do you, or how would you describe the relationship uh, between these two, player and manager? I think it was really interesting what happened on Wednesday. We saw it a little bit. I don't know if you remember. It goes back along a bit, a bit. But at the Euro 2020, what, 2020, 2021, when France played Switzerland uh, towards the end of the game where Paul Pogba and Didier Deschamps wanted different things. Pogba wanted to attack. Deschamps wanted to, to protect the lead at the time against the Swiss. And it was a little bit similar what we saw on Wednesday night in the sense that Kylian, until the end, wanted to score that second goal, which would have meant a win in Dortmund top spot for PSG in that group uh, and he kept making those runs but you could clearly see clearly see that the rest of the team were just happy to just pass the ball sideways to each other to see the game out and get that that one point that was enough for them to finish runners-up but at least qualify and not taking the risk of getting 
hit on the counter and considering a second goal and a 2-1 defeat against Dortmund would have meant you know they were they were out of it so or they could have been out of it so I can understand Mbappe's frustration I can understand what Luis Enrique was saying and wanted it's I don't know I really don't know what you're supposed mm. to do in those situations at PSG scored a second one we would have said great they pushed until the end they got it they won 2-1. Now we're saying they scrapped through. It was not great. They should have been, they should have been much better in this group stage. It's not good. And they might draw City on Monday in the draw. And then we will say finishing second in that group was, was terrible. So I, I don't know. I can I'm probably more on the Mbappe side, trying to go for the second goal than on the Luis Enrique protecting the 1-1. Can somebody tell Mbappe his job, what his job is? Not the manager. His job is to play football. The manager's job is to manage the team, mm. manage the game, manage the tactics. Just go and play football. I mean, seriously. You agree with the approach? Would you have done that if you were in Luis Enrique's shoes? Absolutely. Yeah, it was the right thing to do? So you're going to gamble on, on maybe not, not getting there just because your big head wants to score a goal. Well, really? I think he wants to score a goal because he wants again, to finish first because again, that's going to set always, you up better for the It's champions. always funny, isn't it? It's always funny. It always comes back to one person. Mm. That's, why, that's why PSG don't win the Champions League. Because a team wins the Champions League. And PSG's not a team. It's Mbappe and 10 others. And this is just another example of it. Absolutely perfect. Takes the huffy puff because they don't do what he wants to do. How about you do your job and do as you're told? Frank, who's in the right here? Mbappe or the manager? It's always the coach the, uh, who's right, that he, he decides and you follow. And I'm, I'm with Stevie in a way that you, it's only when you're a team that you're going to win stuff. And, uh, and some players like Mbappe have to realize that. But nowadays we can see players not being happy to get out, and the players fighting for a penalty, players uh, to, to know who to, is going to shoot the penalty, players like that not happy to, uh, to defend when the, they, they think they're going to score goals. They have to show in the body language, they have to show nothing. We don't want to know. And I, and, and I don't want to see coaches being um, forced to uh, justify their decisions after the game. When my coach used to tell me, you know, Frank, when are we defend? Even if I disagreed, I had to follow him because he was above me. That's the hierarchy. And uh, we have to, to get the hierarchy back in football, like also in society. But that's what it is. That's what it is. And uh, I don't understand that like, somebody like Luis Enrique having to justify himself about what he has to do. Yeah, maybe he was wrong. Maybe he could have been wrong if, uh, if I don't know, uh, Dortmund would have scored another goal because he wanted to attack or not. But I'm Stevie in a way that there is one person to decide the tactic and you have 11 and even more players to follow that. That's what it is. Mm. Uh, Mbappe perhaps frustrated with his manager, but he'll ha be very happy about this, Stevie. He's one of the three finalists for FIFA's The Best Award. Oh, no, no he won't. He won't be oh happy unless God. he wins. Now, <laughs> just so everybody knows, so we're on the same page. <laughs> the criteria for this award, and the three finalists are Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, and Lionel Messi, uh, is the time frame from December 19th, 2022, so just after the World Cup, to August 20th. Uh, of this year. Given that, Jules, and you know I love me some Major League Soccer and some Leagues <laughs> Cup, how is Lionel Messi on this list? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, you know I'm the one who loves those awards. I love the Ballon d'Or. I love that. You, you know, I'm always trying to defend them and 
going for them, etc. against pretty much <laughs> all the boys. But I, I, have, I have to agree with you on this one. <laughs> you, you don't think the League's Cup is worth a, uh, a shout into the best? We, let's just love how they slip it in, yeah. League's Cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like it means something. <laughs> Big victory over uh, Nashville is what's really going to impress yeah. the voters. Uh, so let's say it's not Messi. Who's getting your vote there between uh, Holland and Mbappe, Steve? Holland. Yeah? Absolutely. Boy, you didn't, you didn't even flinch. No, huh? not at all. I don't, I, is it not that straightforward? Really? Um, Jules, is it that straightforward? I mean, you know my heart obviously goes on the Mbappe side, but no, I agree with Stevie. I think the treble, the goals for first season in a new club, in a new country, in a new league, in a new environment, especially with Guardiola, even if City were already one of the best teams in the world and he just improved them, I think it has to be Erling Haaland. Frank, you very famously hate these awards. Would you vote for uh, either of the, any of these three or would you just uh, crinkle up your bout and throw it in the trash? You know what? I just got uh, Kylian Mbappe's shirt signed for my charity, so <laughs> I will make an exception just for today. But otherwise, yeah, leave me alone with that. <laughs> Maybe that's how Messi got on this list. Huh? He yeah. gave away a, a, a few extra jerseys. All right, uh, these boys will be back for today's edition of Extra Time, where we take your questions off of social media. Hopefully uh, no one will be shaking their head as uh, Nadim was on yesterday's Extra Time. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We got uh, Jules and Frank still with us. Now, I believe on an uh, earlier edition of ESPN FC this week, we had Craig's Dream Draw. But <laughs> Craig's Dream's are a place that, frankly, none of us really want to be for too long. So, uh, Jules, what about your Dream Draw? What would be your Dream Draw for the upcoming uh, Champions League knockout phases? Yeah, so I thought hard about this one, Sebi. I started, well, let's start with PSG. I went for Barcelona because of the history, obviously, between the two clubs. For Luis Enrique as well, a bit of a Luis Enrique derby. Uh, and also the fact that I think in those pot one, you know, maybe maybe Barca not as strong as some other teams. Then after that, I've got Intercity, uh, the rematch of the, the, the final last season, Leipzig, Atletico, very open. Copenhagen, Real Sociedad. Uh, Lazio, Arsenal, Porto, Real Madrid, uh, some really good ties, open, some surprises that face each other, so you're sure to have a surprise in the quarterfinals, all that kind of stuff. You know, I think this would be a, a perfect draw. Perfect draw, says Jules. Uh, Stevie, anything jump out to you there? You like oh, the Barcelona PSG? Oh, easy. That's easily the, the one for me, no question. How big a favourite would PSG be? 
Or am I assuming that? Yeah. Big favorites? No. No, it's close. Who, who is the favorite in no. that game? You think it's close? You I don't, I don't yeah. think that. I don't think there is a favorite. In really? That game. No. Even with the way Barcelona's playing right now. How good is PSG right now? Better than Barcelona. Well, you don't know how good PSG <laughs> is right now. Hey, because Jules. They're, because they've got cigars, cups of tea, and they're cantering. So you don't know. Absolutely. I, I could not. If you would get, I wouldn't put any money on either of them with your money. Never mind mine. I don't have any money. Uh, Jules, I won't ask you because we know you with your PSG ways. Uh, Frank, Barcelona PSG, who would be the favourite? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I have to be with Stevie. You know, those teams are quite doubtful uh, in terms of qualities right now and results. So you have to wonder and, you know, just throw the coins and pray, you know. But uh, now I have no idea who's going to be the favourites and uh, who's going to be the winner if, it's, if Drew's draw is, uh, is, uh, is good. So, but I, I think it's a very good draw for PSG to play, to play Barcelona. I agree mm -hmm. with, uh, with Jules. All right, so there we have it. Uh, Barcelona PSG, part of Jules' dream draw. If you want to see Craig's dream draw, uh, go over to the ESPN FC YouTube channel. He's got Bayern Munich against PSG in his dream draw, so it uh, should be a lot of fun. Make sure to check it out. I'd love to know why he put Real Sociedad against PSV. I'm going to have to watch that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch that. Some breaking news here on Friday, which is that Major League Soccer will be pulling its teams out of the U.S. Open Cup. However, the league will be entering, apparently, its reserve teams uh, in the tournament. Stevie, you're a former MLS manager and a U.S. Open Cup champion. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the news? Doesn't sit well. Why? It's, 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 part of your, it's part of your history. You know, it's part of the... You know, you get, you get, the small teams get a chance to play against the big boys. I mean, there are so many reasons that that was so good about the US Open Cup. Mm -hmm. I also think it's a bit of a slight on the Hunts, who've done so much yeah. for football in this country over, over decades. It's a bit of a slap in the face that all of a sudden, all the, thing, all the good things they did now does, doesn't matter. And, and it's even worse the reason it doesn't matter, because we don't make any money out of mm. it. I mean, just, you talk about just going against all the, the good things that are right about football and just turning it into a, a bit of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's sad. Yeah. You and by the way, and here's another thing. If you're, if you're spending 300 million to get into the league right. and then you're spending 400 million on a stadium, you've spent 700 million and you're going to complain <laughs> about having to send your team Generally on a bus, because yeah. the first few rounds are all local. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's just, it just doesn't sit well. I think it's completely wrong. Yeah. Could you imagine if this happened somewhere else? Could you imagine if in England, like the Premier League teams, like, we're, we're out of the Cup. FA Cup? No. That's well, the, the reaction would be, I mean, forks, right? Anarchy. Yeah, yeah it'd be mayhem. Uh, unfortunate, but we'll see. It's for the 2024 U.S. Open Cup for now. We'll see if uh, maybe things change in the future and we get MLS back in the domestic cup competition here in the United States. Here's a look at the La Liga slate. We got the Barcelona, as we mentioned, playing on Saturday. Real Madrid playing on Sunday. And your surprise league leaders, uh, Girona, taking on Alaves on Monday. Don't miss the uh, Atletico versus Athletic showdown uh, on Saturday, 10:15 a.m. here on ESPN Plus. That's La Liga. What about Bundesliga? Let's take a look at the weekend. Slate, the defending champions Bayern Munich taking on Stuttgart at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time 
on Sunday afternoon. Meanwhile, Leverkusen and Eintracht Frankfurt should be another good one. Uh, that one also Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern time kickoff there between those two. And that's not all we've got here on ESPN Plus. Ah, the Carabao Cup continues. Uh, with the quarterfinal rounds next week on Tuesday, it's Chelsea against Newcastle, Port Vale against Middlesbrough, Everton against Fulham, and then on uh, Wednesday we got ooh a little Shaka versus Stevie, uh, Liverpool against West Ham. And before we get out of here, uh, one serious bit of news: Faruk Koka, the now former president of Turkish side Ankara Gücü, has been permanently banned by the Turkish Football Federation for punching a referee earlier this week after a Turkish Super League match. Uh, that was on one Monday, but once again, uh, Baruk Koka receiving a permanent ban from the Turkish Football Federation. All right, that'll do it for this edition of ESPN FC. As always, thanks for watching. Don't go too far. Extra time with Stevie, Jules, and Frank begins right now. Everybody, welcome into this edition of Extra Time here in the ESPN FC studios. Stevie and Seb alongside Frank and Jules. Never gets any better, that, does it? Um, somehow it only gets more hacky. Yeah, you're right. That's, That's okay. Well, thank you for sharing your true feelings about it on air and in public, you're everybody. <laughs> Mitch has a question for you, Stevie. Happy belated birthday. Of course, we know we were celebrating your birthday. When was it last week? Yep. Thanks, yeah. Mitch. Very exciting times. I watch every day, sometimes with my daughter, whose birthday was also last week. You're her favorite because you have the, quote, funniest accent. <laughs> now I have a five-year-old Texan girl answering I Aye. to all my questions. <laughs> That's great. That's brilliant. You know, it's, it's not unusual that my daughter is exactly the same. My, really? da my daughter was born in England, mm -hmm. uh, spoke with an English accent when she was in England. We come to America, she goes to school. How old was she when you guys came to America? 12. Okay. And when she's speaking with anybody else, she's got an American accent. But you... And always, and always replies I. Hmm. In an American accent. In an American that accent. That must be so confusing. It's, for we ah, it's weird. Yeah. Our friends look at her like... I think I've told this story before, but when you and I started working together, I was not familiar with I as kind of part of right. the Scottish dialect. Yes. And I thought you just had trouble finishing your thoughts. <laughs> I thought you thought were I, I thought, oh, you just got lost. You'll get around to it eventually. I, I. All right, uh, Jacob asks, for all, what is one club you would never play for? Um, I think I know Stevie. So, Frank, I'll start with you. One club you would <laughs> never play for. Oh, uh, Manchester United, I would say. Uh, wow. At the time that I played for Chelsea, they were very successful, and um, and we hated them so much that uh, it came into my mind that uh, it, they I could never be friends with any of the players that played for that that team. Um, and in fact, you know, after when I met uh, I met some of them. Uh, David Beckham uh, in LA, for example, they were all good dudes and uh, no problems, you know. But it's true that I kept in my mind that Manchester United wasn't the club that I could I could love, but because of the success uh, and that I would never play for for, for them, that's uh, that's 
that's what I felt at the time. I mean, that's a stupid reaction, but that's what, it, what I felt. But I don't have any club that I would never play for. I was born in Marseille and I almost signed for Paris Saint-Germain uh, when I was 20. So I'm not a fan. I was a football player. I was professional and uh, I was ready to go for any big clubs. How about that name drop there from Frank, huh? David Beckham out in LA, hanging out. Did you miss that? Were you not paying attention? <laughs> I didn't particularly think it was particularly great. Clearly you got a bit carried away. You, do you need a drink? You want to uh, Manchester down? United would be yours, correct? You're not getting hot flushes thinking about uh, the name, are you? No, no, no. no. Not yet. <laughs> Clearly not you yet. are. Man, it is Man United, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Anybody else on that list? Like, would Everton be on that Celtic. list? Celtic. Or is it just, okay. Man United, Celtic. You know, got you, but you've got to realise when Frank, even though Frank was just after my era, we were frowned upon if we spoke to the opposition before right. the game. Right. Never, never mind be friends with them. I mean, if you, were, if Ronnie Moran saw you in the tunnel, all chatty and all smiley with Gordon Strachan at Man United, he wouldn't be happy at right. all. In fact, Douglas came to me once and said, "What were we talking to him? Because I was, I, I spoke to him actually. For some reason, we both came off the field at the same time, myself and Gordon, uh -huh. and we spoke, right?" Now I shared the room with, with Gordon with Scotland and I knew him. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I got into the dressing room, Douglas, who must have seen me, said, what were you talking about? Like as if I was going to... Trade secret. As if I was a double agent or right, something, right. I was going to say something. I mean, that's how bad it was. So the, the coaching staff didn't want you have men to do with them either. Frank? Sebi, uh, I understand why Stevie don't want to play for, you don't want to play for Manchester United. But why Chelsea, uh, Stevie? What's wrong with Chelsea? No, I said Celtic. So I'm a Rangers fan. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought I, I, yeah. heard, I heard Chelsea. I said why Chelsea? Well, no. okay, I, I hear. No, you. I hear you. No, no, no. It's your. It, yeah. It's just your accent. I love it too, but sometimes it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the boys of the teams vying for the top four in the Premier League, which one is in need of a player in the January transfer window to contend, and who is that player? Uh, Jules, let's start with you on this one. Of the teams vying for the top four in the Prem, which one is in need of a player in the January window, and who is that player? Hmm. So, from the current top four, you mean? I think Aston mm -hmm. Villa, if they want to stay up there, they will need a bit of investment in January. I think they know that already. I think they're looking around already. If something was to happen to Oli Watkins, for example, there would be really nobody to be able to replace him and, and score that goals. You could think about maybe some cover for John McGinn or even a Boubacar Kamara. So I think I think right now, maybe even a centre-back after the, the Ming's injury at the start of the season. So really on that top four, if Aston Villa wants to stay and, and be in contention for the for as long as possible with the other big three, then I think it would, I would pick them to, to invest a bit of money to strengthen that squad. I don't think the question necessarily limits it to teams that are currently in the top four, right? Just teams vying for the top four. So if we open it up a if little bit more, up, Stevie, who, who would you say I, needs the move the most? I think if Tottenham could get a proper goal scorer, mm -hmm. because they create, there's no question, between now and the end of the season, they're going to create chances. And unfortunately, okay, Richardson scored today, scored last week as well, but he's a guy who doesn't score a lot of goals. And so, when you've got a guy playing centre-forward who scores probably, what, one in three, maybe four, 
that, that, that could cost you, particularly when you play so open, because they're going to lose goals. Unless the goalie stands in his head every week. They're going to lose goals, but with the chances they create, if they had a real goal scorer, I think that would be enough for them to get in the top four. Frank, we've got to vote for uh, Spurs who need to make a move in January. We've got to vote for Villa that need to make a move. Who do you think needs to make a move in January? Well, for me, it's obvious that Newcastle, if they want to keep on uh, on believing that they can catch the, 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 the first four, they have to buy some players because they have so much injuries. And uh, I don't know where they have to find. Maybe they have to find more than one because I don't know when the players are going to go back. It's going to come back, sorry. Uh, but maybe definitely in the middle of the park where it's a three. They're doing great. I'm talking about uh, Jolinton, for example, or Guimaraes. I think at some point they're going to get tired, so they need some uh, some other players to uh, to step on. Um, but I just want to make I'd say something about Tottenham and what Stevie said. Can you believe that they had the best maybe striker in the world last season <laughs> and they sold him? <laughs> maybe they should buy him to to score <laughs> more goals this season. <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, can I can I ask Jules and Frank a question? So I had an argument the other day with Dan and Shaka, mm-hmm. right? And Danny Shaka basically said that Newcastle have regressed, right? And my argument was that is complete and utter nonsense because they've got a full team injured. They've got 13 injuries. So Frankie and Jules, what side of the defence are you with me or are you with those two? Frankie Cause first. Because I, I think it's unfair to, to judge a team who has 13 injuries We're also only and who has to play the same players yeah. for 10 straight games in a row, Champions League and in the Premier League, We're... and then try and turn around and say that they're regressing? Yeah. Frank? No, the, 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 the thing is, last time I was in, on the show with Craig, and I, and Craig, I found Craig pretty harsh on, on Newcastle for exact, exactly the same reason. I, I think you have to, uh, to uh, take into account that, that, that they have so many players injured that uh, they do and they did pretty well, especially in the Champions League. And they almost surprised everybody. For me, after the amount of players that they, are, they were missing, there are no chance for me to, uh, to, go, to go far and uh, uh, to be good in the, in the Premier League and to, be, to go through in the, in the Champions League or even go to Europa League. It's so unfair to criticize them at that point because they do what they can. And we can feel that the players are still the same and they're playing and they're getting tired. So I'm with you, Stevie, 100%. Jules, what do you think? Has uh, Newcastle regressed? No, I'm with Stevie as well. I think it's, it's quite harsh to, to, to say right now in December that they've regressed compared to last season. <clears throat> last season, they had they finished 11 the season before. They had almost no, no real pressure. They had no European competition. This time, they had to play the Champions League in what we said was a tough group, plus the league, plus all the injuries, plus the Tonali suspension. Um, as it has been, if you think about it, between September, let's say, and today, it's been an incredible three months for them. So I think it's really harsh and pretty unfair to say that they've regressed. That settled it for you? No, I get, I, yeah. yeah, magic. James asks, how much does a howler by the goalie affect a team's psyche? Boy, we saw one from uh, Matt Turner today, didn't uh-huh. we? It was like a double howler. You know, when it, when it happens, once in a blue moon, it probably affects the coach more than it affects the team. Because on the field of play, we're all pretty forgiven. We all understand that we're all mm. 
a mistake away from causing a goal, so we get it. But when you're sitting on the sideline, your goalie's throwing one in. Mm. Uh, you like, you, it, it's a position you'd like to have trust in. <laughs> like yeah. to, you'd like to feel good about. Yeah. Uh, Frank, what do you think? How much can a howler uh, affect the rest of the team? Uh, well, uh, hopefully n n never, because uh, it's uh, it's what he has to be, and uh, we have to accept mistakes from the others. You know, uh, a striker who misses uh, uh, an easy goal, uh, myself missing a penalty, or myself missing a tackle, and the guy goes to score. And we know how much risky it is to be a, a goalkeeper. You cannot afford any mistakes. So I would have had a, a, a teammate uh, hammering or, or putting his head down because the goalkeeper would have made a, a mistake. I would have been very upset. And uh, that's not the way I see football. You have to accept mistakes from the others. We win at 11 and we lose at 11. Love it. Put it on a t-shirt. What is the best? Oh, I love this one. What is the best criticism a manager has ever given you, and the best compliment? Do you ever remember a, a criticism or a compliment? Do you know? I've got one that answers both. Okay, love it. I remember playing a game at Anfield. I can't. I, can't, I remember the situation, and I hadn't had a very good game. Mm -hmm. But it was one of those games where the ball was like a magnet. It kept coming to me. <laughs> and I didn't always, and, and too, on too many occasions, I didn't use it well enough or correctly, or I made a mistake. And Dal Leach came up to me after the game and said, you know what? He said, it, it wasn't the best game you've ever had. He said, I'll tell you what though, but you never had. And that, that was, to a, football, to a footballer, the one thing you can't ever do when things are not going your way is not be available for the ball. Right. Because there's a lot of players do that. They'll hide. We call it hiding in a game. When you're not checking two, when, when you're not you like, just, yeah. you just, you just You don't want any part of you it. You make sure you're, you're not available to get the ball. And so that was kind of both. It was a criticism that I'd not played my best, mm -hmm. but it was also a compliment that, that I had... I had Try to fight through it, and I didn't go and hide. Yeah, that's that's huge for a footballer. That's a good one, uh, Frank. Any criticism or compliment that you remember from your playing career? I, I, I will go with uh, with TV, where uh, a criticism became a compliment because because of what I wanted from from the from the coach. I had Gilbert Grass, and we became friends. Lately, I would say last year, <laughs> and uh, and we we talk to each other, and I sometimes call him, and I and I love his humor. But I remember him telling me that I was stupid and I would never achieve anything, and I took it as a criticism. He helped me, he helped me very much to uh, to achieve something and to work very hard. So it became a compliment for me, and uh, because it's exactly what I wanted him to think about me, that I wanted him to think that I was st that stupid to not follow him. Because I didn't want to follow him. I knew what he was capable of and, uh, uh, and able to, uh, to give me. And I, that's exactly what I was looking for uh, from him. So it, that comment, you're stupid, you will never achieve anything, uh, has been a criticism, but also a compliment for me. He's a journo now, but you know, in the past, Jules was quite a player. Uh, Jules, you got any, any compliments? <laughs> when was the last time you saw him playing? I saw, oh, I played with him in Qatar at the, the World Cup. Oh, right. We okay, played yeah. some pickup games so together. Jules and I actually uh, still oh, so, that, so that's Chris. He's criticizing you because he said you used to be a good player. 
So if he played with you in Qatar, yeah. are you saying he didn't no, play he was, he's still well? brilliant. Still a brilliant player. Uh, right, 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 um, yeah. Aside from my compliments, Jules, I'm any just compliments told her, that a real manager gave I'm you? I'm just older now, you know? Yeah, I mean, not to the level of the boys, obviously. Uh, not, not just not to the level of the boys, because it's not the same context, even if you're playing like in a, in a much lower league. Uh, I just, I've just been fascinated though by coaches who had something very special in terms of man management. I think we all had coaches that, even even at my very modest level uh, or decent level, the coaches who were just not very good in terms of engaging with some with some players. Uh, and on the other hand, I think you've got others who are just born for that. They have that kind of relationship. You would be ready to do anything for them. And I think those have always, always fascinated me. I was lucky I, when I played for Lilila in, in the fourth division in France when I was really young to have one of a guy, like, guy like that called Bruno Coton, who was just amazing in that kind of man, man or coach to player relationship. And for him, you would do anything. And we learned so much. Those two years was incredible. That's the kind of manager I imagine you to be, Stevie. A man to man kind of guy. Grr. 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 Get right into those conversations. <laughs> this question is for Stevie. I, I, exactly. Stevie Sebi, do you think Everton might have won the Champions League in the 80s if it wasn't for the ban on English teams? Wow. And who were their best players in that era? Well, the answer to that is yes. You think they would have? They could have. Yeah. I mean, you can never say they yeah, would have, yeah, but yeah. were they, were they of, at that level? Absolutely. I mean, they had they had a goalkeeper who at one time was the best in the world. Um, they had they mm -hmm. had a captain in Kevin Ratcliffe who had pace and could read the game. They had players like Andy Gray, Graham Sharp up front, uh, Gary Lineker. Mm -hmm. um, they were tough in the middle of the park with Bracewell and Reed. Uh, defensively, no prisoners. I mean, yeah, the, the answer to that would be yes. They they would absolutely have competed. Uh, in the Champions League, as far as getting to the last stages and maybe winning it. Very complimentary for your uh, Liverpool ways. The Norwegian Racing Fish asks, for a start bench drop, here are your uh, options. No. Jules kits that we see on the Gavin Jules show. Archie's colorful coats that we nah. see sometimes on our Bundesliga oh. pregames. <laughs> oh my or God. Or Stevie's yeah. reflective jacket, which we know is uh, all the rage in the <laughs> outdoor uh, genre of yeah. fashion right yeah. now, yes. yes. Um, so, Stevie, you go first. Which, what do you well, Archie's, Archie's colourful jumpers, coach, you name it. I just like, <laughs> like. Oh my God! Yeah. You always think. You always think. Is that the only thing he's got in his drawer? He's the, got the no Archie. choice. You know what though? The managers in the Bundesliga, they love it. They always talk about it. They always have like some fun well, interactions. Do you know why? Because the manager, Jarring. some of the gear, some of the gear the manager wears is a joke. I'm sorry, you are going to talk actually, fashion now? He Hold actually, up. Hold yeah, up. exactly. That's how bad it is. And, and actually <laughs> takes the pressure off them right. with his gear. Right. That's why they love it. No, uh, oh, Archie's definitely bought me the pill. Okay. Uh, Frank, you're the neutral here. Give me, <laughs> give me your start bench drop. Okay. It, I have a question from is it from the worst to the best or the best to the worst? The one you like the most is start, so we'll go best to worst. Okay, I go from uh, Jules uh, uh, Kitts. Uh, I love his kind of uh, rejuvenated, sorry, uh, rejuvenated uh, uh, I, um, thoughts about uh, what I what I was 
seeing and uh, in terms of uh, shirts that you want to wear and everything. So thank you, Jules. It's very nice. I love it. <laughs> then I go for Stevie because the reflective jacket is safety, is safetiness, and right. uh, Stevie is clever. And Archie, and Archie is an English guy who decided to adopt a German kind of way culture of wearing stupid things who, uh, who only <laughs> you only can see in Germany, you know? So yeah. it's horrible. I don't understand. And you shouldn't wear that on TV, you know, mm -hmm. because cool. it's... You can blind people with those kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, Jules, what's the story with your kits? Because they are impressive. You really do have a great, a, a great mix. Yeah, you don't always come, do you? No, and a retro, like always cool. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, because we do the show with Gab twice a week, uh, they, it came to a time where I was like, okay, well, I, am I going to wear the same jumper like Gab does? Gab always wears the same thing, pretty <laughs> <He> much. <does. laughs> so I tried to think about. <laughs> Something different, he, you know. He's got thought, gravy on it. He, thought, is, he, is, he, is he washing it? Yeah. Is, is he washing <laughs> it? Oh, oh, thank you. I'm not sure, Frankie. I'm not sure. That's why they sit so far apart, Frank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And there's this shop in London, and there's one in Manchester called Classic Football Shop, who have a lot of vintage shop, and I've, we've known each other for quite a while. And I said to them, "Listen, I had an idea. Let me know if it's possible. But could I come and..." and borrow some shirt and, you know, I borrow shirts, some I keep, some I, 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 I give back, of course, and I said to them, it's good publicity for you. For me, it's, it's great old, old kit or current kit, whatever kit to wear. People like those kind of stuff. It's really, it's, it's a good vibe at the moment. So they say, yeah, that's great. It works for us. So yeah, I go, I go often with the kids because the kids love being there and, and picking some of the shirts and we, we pick eight or 10 at one time for all the shows and then I bring some back, I keep some and then we go again, etc, etc. So I don't have all the shirts in my house because I would not, I would not wear them all the time either. Uh, but some of the PSG ones, I'd be special, some of the France ones as well. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been great and I think a lot of people, like Frankie said, are enjoying it because they, when they were growing up, maybe the, they, they used to be those kids or those, those teams play with the kids, you know, things like that. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I would spend a lot of time and a lot of money in a shop like that. I'll tell you what, if they let you me do this. You would love it, Sebi. I would, would love it. it. I would love it. I've yeah. seen some of the kits. Uh, next time I'm over there, I'm definitely doing some shopping. All right, last one here for Jules. I hope I didn't do this today. Does it bother you when your colleagues tweet your name for questions on ESPN FC Extra Time and misspell it? <laughs> So nah, let's just be clear, not, what is the correct spelling here of Jules? Uh, so you mean my my ex my ex like um, handle? No, like the nickname I think is is the debate here, because everyone knows how to spell Julian, but it's between Jules, which wow. I spell J-U-L-E-S, and maybe it's J-U-L-S. So how do you how, what is correct? Oh here? I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, both are fines, I think, because that, that nickname came to me when I moved here. In France, like, like Frankie would know, uh, Julien is called more Juju or, or just Jules or sometimes even Jules. But Jules, Jules came here when I moved over here. People, when I play football, started calling me like that. So myself, I've got no idea how you spell it. <laughs> sometimes with an L-E-S, sometimes just L-S. So it could be, it could be anything. Juju, I like that one. And me, I call him, I call him, I, no, I, I, Juju is, is nice, but it's like, well, well, I don't like it. But uh, I call him Ju, G-U, 
J-U, Jew. Yeah, Jew. Jew is Frankie's. Yeah. Uh, Frank, yeah. what do we yeah. call your cat other than extremely irritated? What's what happening back there? Does he stand on it? Uh, do I, uh, oh, my cat. Yeah, we my can cat. hear them. Oh, yeah, no, no, he, he wants to eat. And now I just want to tell you that he just pooped. I'm very happy. He's oh, just next, next to me. So I'm very, I'm very, very happy right now. I just w w wish that the, the, the show is ending very quickly, that I can get away from here. Uh, it's called Lemon, and the other <laughs> one is called Miami, because I have two. Miami, we found it in Miami, and Lemon, we, we found it in, in, uh, in Paris. So we have two cats. Only Lemon on extra Miami. time. Yeah. Only on extra time. Somebody bookmark that for the uh, end of year extra time reel when Frank's cat pooped during the segment. All right, there he is, uh, Frank. Yeah. Thanks to Julian Laron as well. Thanks to Steve Nichol. And thanks to you guys for sending in your questions here on Extra Time. We will be back tomorrow with the next edition of ESPN FC. Don't miss it. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com.